What's going on, good people, and welcome to episode two of Live by the Three with your boy, Curly. Now, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Thank you for joining me once again. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome to you as well. we got a lot of interesting topics to cover today, uh, but before we get into it, i got a couple of announcements. Yes, I know, only two episodes in, I already got announcements, but I promise you, it is necessary. So, as you all know that you can find the podcast on Buzzsprout, but I am pleased to announce that I am officially on Spotify now, and you can find me at Live by the Three with a basketball emoji at the end. So all the appropriate spe- uh, spacing, spelling, Live by the Three, basketball emoji at the end, and you'll find me on Spotify. Now I do apologize for the for the specifics on trying to find me on Spotify. But when I was trying to be clever and putting a basketball beside the name of the podcast, didn't know that it it would not be just only a decorative thing, but a literal thing in terms of finding the, the podcast on other sources. So I do apologize for that. But on the, on the plus side, I am trying to rectify that where you can just search up the name and, and pull me up. But I do have the links posted on the bio of the Instagram page, live by the period number three, L-I-V-E-B-Y-T-H-E dot number three, and you can find the links on there. I know some of you don't have Spotify and that's okay. You can still access the podcast on Buzzsprout and anything related to the podcast and Raptors related content, you can also find it on the page. And if you want to get in touch with me and talk about anything that's discussed in these first couple of episodes and future episodes, or you have ideas or anything, let's talk it out on there. With all that being said, let's get into the Raptors. So on Friday, January 14th, 2022, the Raptors began their five-game road trip in Detroit country with the Pistons being led by their fearless leader, Dwayne Casey. Now, it just seems to me that the Pistons have Raptors game circle on the calendar because they can play terribly against all other teams. They recently got blown out by the Chicago Bulls, but I also think they they beat some some teams that they probably didn't have no business beating I, the, the team slipped my mind, but they do have some wins over some contending teams. And, but these guys just go to bat for Dwayne Casey. Whenever they play us, I, I believe that they have their longest active winning streak against uh, a team, which is unfortunately the Raptors. And Dwayne Casey has been getting the best of us. Now, for those who don't know, Dwayne Casey used to be the the Raptors head coach and after winning coach of the year, he was relieved of his coaching duties, hence why he's on the Pistons. And it just seems like it's a, it's a revenge game every single time he's we we've just underperformed and lost games to them as of late. And again, that active win streak is still alive and well, which brings me to the game on Friday night, there's not much to talk about. The The Raptors were just outplayed by the Pistons um, from the jump. Within the first three minutes, 
We lost Ken Birch, who's been huge as of late, getting back into the swing of things, coming back from his injury. Um, he unfortunately took a shot in the face, got his nose broken, and he was out for the rest of the game. But we also saw the return of Scotty Barnes, which was refreshing to see, but didn't have the impact that I'm sure we all anticipated. But again, he's probably shaking off that rust, being off for quite some time. But the Pistons dictated how the game was going to be played from, from the jump. They got on transition, got some easy buckets in the fast break. They played great defense. They clogged the paint, made every shot difficult for the Raptors. Um, they, they were zoned in on Freddie and Pascal. And it just seemed like nobody else could score for us. I mean, OG chipped in in the early going, but he later cooled off. And the Raptors made a late push in the second half, but it was already too little too late. The, the Pistons were already in rhythm and the rest was history. The active win streak against a single team is still active. They are on a five game win streak against the Raptors. They beat us 103 to 87. Again, an all round ugly game. Though, even though Freddie got a double-double with 24 points and assists, Pascal got a double-double with 23 points, 11 rebounds. Um, like I said, Scotty Barnes is back. Played 33 minutes, got us 8.7 rebounds on 4 for 13 shooting and 0 for 4 from 3. Definitely not one of his better games, but um, we hope that he can get back to the version of Scotty Barnes that we've grown accustomed to early, early on in the season. But just to add on to how ugly this game was, the Pistons bench outscored us 61-16. to Now, I don't care what team you are. If you are not getting production from your second unit and you are allowing the, the opposing team second unit to dominate the way that the Pistons dominated the Raptors, you are not going to win basketball games. They were led by Canadian boy Trey Lyles. Definitely love seeing Canadian basketball players' success, but Canadian athletes in general. But in this case... Uh, the basketball players, uh, I just don't like it coming at the expense of the Raptors. He, he scored 21.7 rebounds. Hamadou Diallo scored 18 and 16. And their young rookie and most likely franchise player, Cade Cunningham, it would, chipped in with 18.7 rebounds and five assists. Just to add on to the ugliness of the game, the Raptors shot 32% from the field, 28, 28 for 87, 11 from, for 38 from the three-point. They took care of business from the, from the line, which is good to see, but again, didn't translate to a victory 24-26, giving them 77% from the charity stripe. Pistons shot 47% from the field, 38 for 81 shooting, 8 for 27 from three, and they took care of business from the line, 19 for 23, giving them 83%. Now, with the Pistons being zoned in on Freddie and Pascal, and I imagine more teams are going to do so as of late, given that we still have some of our key guys out and guys coming back with the likes of Barnes and Trent eventually coming back, with this current lineup, this is the perfect opportunity for OG to step up and to continue to prove his worth and value to the team. Uh, he, again, started off very hot against the, the Pistons, but cooled off and didn't have much of an impact on the game going forward. He, 
Uh, just finished off with 16 points on 5 for 14 shooting. And these are the games where you expect OG to to have a strong impact on, especially when uh, the attention is on other players. He can kind of fall under the radar and take advantage of some of the opportunities that have been put towards him or placed in front of him, I should say. But um, we didn't get to see that uh, on Friday night. And we were hoping that we would have a different outcome against the uh, defending champion Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday night, January the 15th. Second game of a back-to-back. Now, Jack Armstrong said a quote, and I'm paraphrasing it. And there's always been a discussion when you're playing a back-to-back and the minutes uh, that the Raptors are logging in. I don't want to sound completely heartless. Uh, they are human. They do have feelings, and they're not—they're not machines. They get tired. Uh, but to Jack's point, he—he he basically said that I don't care about the minutes you played. Your job is to go out there and win basketball games, and especially when you're getting blown out in a game against the Pistons, you should have energy for the for the next game. And. Your job is to be ready as as an athlete, or more particularly as a basketball player. You're supposed to be ready in every way of of the word, emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, and spiritually, ready to take on whatever is set before you in a basketball game. And you were hoping that they would start off on a positive note, especially after a hard fought game against the Suns, and take the things that they they did in that game and have it translate to the Pistons game on Friday night did not happen. So you were hoping that they could get off to a better start against the Bucks. It did not happen that way on Saturday night. They came out flat. They missed a lot of defensive assignments, which led to a lot of easy opportunities for the Bucks. They, the Bucks jumped out to on a, on a 15 to two run uh, led by Bobby Portis and, and company uh, being Grayson Allen coming back from health and safety protocol, and he was hitting some timely buckets. Um, but Portis is the focal point of this game, and, and you'll find out later on. For some reason, Bobby Portis has it out for Pascal. I don't know what it is. It just seems like they're all, he's he has it out for him. But nonetheless, he set the tone early, scored a lot of his, his points in the early part of the game. I, I believe, if not in the first quarter, in the first half, and and some of it at the expense of Pascal, and he he got an N one on Pascal, and he was flexing in the crowd with the ball in his hand, and he made shoulder to shoulder contact with Pascal, and Pascal didn't respond to it. He kind of walked away. But the the type of NBA that's being presented to us nowadays is that there's a lot of um. A lot of emphasis on being a good sportsman. Um, there's not a, there's not too much room to show emotion, and, and I find it very discouraging as as an athlete and 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 uh, and uh, uh, a basketball player. Obviously, not on on a professional level, but just a lover of, of basketball and being able to play um, when we are able to. You get caught up in, in 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 the game and in the motion and the ups and downs and everything in between and you know the the NBA doesn't leave a lot of room for that and 
and you're seeing it in, in other sports, but nonetheless, nothing came out of it. Brings us to another possession where Pascal went up for a layup. Bobby Portis was defending. He blocked Pascal, swatted the ball out of bounds. Pascal fell to the floor. A lot of body contact. No foul was called. It was just Raptors possession, much to the dismay of Nick Nurse. And again, he, he stared down Pascal and turning to the crowd and asking asking them to get louder and whatnot. And again, nothing came out of it. Again, very strange. Finally, Pascal was able to get some revenge. And he scored an N1 play. And finally getting one to go down. Hard-earned bucket. He yelled out N1 on top of his lungs. In the vicinity of Bobby Portis. He took exception to that. And he felt it necessary to address Pascal. Going face-to-face with him. Headbutting Pascal in the process. Knocking Pascal back a step. And... The refs got in between them. He, Bobby Portis downplayed it. Pascal, kudos to him, walked away. And it really set the tone for the Raptors, even though they were still down. Uh, Freddie was quoted after the game saying, and I quote, after their exchange, it was time to make a decision. If we were going to, to, if we were going to allow that, or was that going to turn us up? And I think that turned us up a little bit. I love the way Pascal responded. That's good old-fashioned basketball there. End quote. And the Raptors went on a run, led by Pascal and Freddie, to chip chip away at the lead. Uh, OG was getting involved. He had a massive dunk on a blow-by right down the middle. And it was just refreshing to see because when OG makes up his mind, rather than taking long dribbles in the post or dribbling the ball on the perimeter, letting the shot clock become a factor for him, he he made a quick move, made up his mind, and he dunked it on them. And it was huge because in within the moment after the end one, the Raptors were were. In the game, and you saw that the momentum was shifting back and forward. Now, the Raptors were able to cut down the lead. They were only down by three at the half, forty-nine to forty-six. And the second half was a completely different game. Um, the Bucks were having issues slowing down the Raptors and making things difficult for. And the Raptors were making things difficult for Giannis, but everybody chipped in. Precious Achua finally was playing within himself within the offense and comparing uh, in comparison to some of the early possessions of the game where he missed an open Freddie and an open Pascal he missed a couple of them in in the second half as well but he wasn't taking threes he wasn't taking ill-advised shots he was allowing the the game to come to him and it was it was great to see because when he does that, he's a he's a far more effective player instead of becoming a liability. Nice to see Champagny get into the thick of things. Uh, he was making his his uh, presence known, especially on the glass. And in thirty minutes of play, he got twelve rebounds, scoring three points. Um, Boucher was shipping in uh, fifteen and seven for thirty six minutes, and that was pretty much 
the the bench. I think Sri Mahalik only got seven minutes, but he was a he was a non-factor. But it was a heavy it was a heavyweight fight. They were exchanging blows with the Bucks, but again, the Raptors were able to capitalize on a lot of the the opportunities that the Bucks were presenting for them and and turning the turnovers into valuable points. But I'm gonna fast forward towards the end of the game where the Raptors had a 95 to 91 lead. At the 115 mark, Pascal hit a massive three pointer from the top, giving the Raptors a 98 to 91 lead. Um, the next few possessions, Giannis had a turnover. Pascal was able to get to the line from the turnover, missed one free throw, hit one. Giannis hit a floater, a floater got an N1 play. The lead was 99 to 94. So, and at the 36 second mark, Pascal was at the top, top of the key. Outside the three-point line, Giannis to the left of him. He was defended by, I believe, George Hill. He got into the paint, stopped at the free throw line. He pump faked, did a step through floater to ice the game at 101.94 with 29.3 seconds left on the clock. And that was pretty much the end of the game. The Raptors beat the Bucks 103-96, to led by Pascal's. Triple double, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. OG with a good game at 24 and 24 points and eight rebounds. And the the Giannis effect of the game was was significant because it was very difficult for him to find his rhythm. He even though he scored for 30 uh, scored 30 points, got six rebounds. Normally, when he scores 30 points, the Bucks win games. Was not the case. He shot 6 for 17, but he was 17 for 17 from the free throw line. Now, if you are going to slow down Giannis, this is probably the best formula to do it. Let him beat you on the free throw line. Now, 17 for 17 is mighty impressive and quite scary if... Um, if teams think that fouling Giannis is going to give them extra possessions, if he's doing this at a, an efficient rate, good luck to you. But um, he had to earn them. He had to earn them. And even though they they got some help from Grayson Allen, who finished with 18, and Middleton finished with 16, it, it, those were hard-earned points. Uh, was not the case in the early part of the game, but in later stages, it, it was those buckets were earned to say the least. And the Raptors um, definitely shot better from the field. They shot 40 for 91 at 44%, 12 for 35 from three at 34%. Kind of struggled on the line that night, uh, 11 for 20 at 55%. Uh, The Bucks shot 34%, 26 for, for 77, 12 for 39 from three at 31 percent they took care of business from the line and majority of it was because of Giannis, 32 for 35 uh, giving them 91 percent from the line so uh, again the raptors struggles with fu- with the fundamentals in terms of taking care of uh taking care of business from the free throw line but nonetheless a, a big victory but you know i wasn't too concerned about this game and even though they are the defending champs they got Giannis. That is a very different team from when Drew Holiday is playing. 
Drew Holiday is, in my opinion, the engine for that team. Much to the to the similarity of Draymond Green being the engine for the Warriors. Now, the Warriors without Draymond Green is a completely different team, and you're seeing it as of late that they are struggling to put wins together without him. And I believe he's out for another two weeks. And if you want to know why I'm so in tune with the Warriors and their injuries is because I have Draymond Green and Steph Curry on my fantasy team. So nonetheless, Drew Holiday is the engine for the Milwaukee Bucks team. And they are a very beatable team without Drew. Um, I feel that that trade was very significant for Milwaukee. Uh, and a very, very important part of their championship run. That if it wasn't for Drew Holiday, it it probably would have been a, a different outcome for them. Hence, he got the massive extension. So, it's going to be hard for the Bucks if they're not entirely healthy. And we all we we know that we're we're going through the same thing also. But they they are the defending champs. They have a target on their back and. If they are not healthy, it's going to be hard for, for them to repeat. And when we are healthy, I mean, we were able to take them down not being 100%. And when we are healthy, I think we can hang with the best of them. Bring on Milwaukee, Nets, Miami, whatever. The Raptors are, when healthy, are a very dangerous team, I imagine. Especially if we can address some of our bench issues, I don't think any team wants to wants to play us, especially in the first round. We're currently sitting in the eighth spot still at twenty one and nineteen, and the bucks are sitting in the fourth spot at twenty seven and eighteen and by those rankings, we would not play each other, but again, we would be a tough matchup for any one of the top teams in the East. Which brings us to our Monday night game happening on January 17th. The Raptors are going to Miami, visiting Kyle Lowry and company, the Miami Heat. Uh, Unfortunately, we will have to wait for Kyle Lowry to be in the game, he he's unfortunately ruled out due to personal reasons. Uh, there was a joke online seeing that uh, um, somebody had mentioned that Lowry got too emotional playing the Raptors, so he had to sit this one out. I, I definitely don't think that's the case. Um, it is a personal issue, so we wish him well, and hopefully uh, we can see him the next time the Raptors play on the 29th. But who is returning for the Heat is, and he's marked as questionable, but he is eyeing the return that night, is Bam Adebayo, who's been off for, I believe, almost six weeks with uh, his injured thumb, and he got thumb surgery. So he's returning back to the lineup, or at least aspiring to. Jimmy Butler is back. The The Miami Heat is a well-coached team. Their role players have stepped up tremendously in the absence of... Of their key guys, and uh, they're they're a tough team, similar to the Raptors. Um, they're well coached. There's a lot of similarities. They make they make a living off their defense, 
and it's going to be a hard fought game. I actually, I personally think it's a it's a much more difficult matchup than than the Bucks were on uh, on Saturday night. Um, it's going to take all hands on deck. Scotty Barnes is is available for that. Uh, Gary Trent is questionable. Uh, Cam Birch is unfortunately out uh, due to his broken nose. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a hard fought game. I I don't anticipate a blowout. I hope it's not a blowout. Blowout games are not fun to watch, and especially such after such a big win against the Bucks. You you hope that they're able to establish a rhythm early and kind of clean up on on the previous two games, um, and hopefully making it a two to one lead on the five game road trip. Now, with all the success and not not so much success uh, that came uh, that's coming with the Raptors season so so far, um, in the first episode, I had mentioned that Pascal has been a lightning rod for a lot of the frustrations in relation to the Raptors and. I saw that there was a Pascal Siakam apology form floating around the internet. If you, I'll try and find it and post it uh, on Instagram. But I feel that some Raptors fans owe Pascal Siakam an apology, and I alluded to this in in the first episode that he is a very important piece right now. And he is part of a duo in terms of Freddie and Siakam. They are one of the best duos in the in the league right now, and they're putting the league on notice from that. And I hope that this puts the trade talks to rest. If Pascal hasn't been available the way he has been and doing the things that he's been doing lately in terms of being a better facilitator, being a little bit more assertive with, uh, or a little bit more aggressive with his offense, and just finding different ways to impact the game, I, I feel that the win streak would not have been possible, and especially the the win against Milwaukee would not have been possible without the play of Siakam. So let's give the man his flowers, as they say, and let's have a little bit more appreciation for Pascal, and hopefully this can put the the trade rumors to rest and he's able to continue this high level of play speaking of trade rumors there's been a few hap- uh, a few surrounding the raptors now if anybody knows the raptors the raptors are pretty type, tight-lipped in terms of letting out leaks and whatnot so one can only imagine these that these are coming from other teams but one thing i found very interesting and I first saw this on Raps City with a Z on Instagram where they posted that there's been discussions for Miles Turner in exchange for OG. Now, from a salary standpoint, that works. One for one, it works. From a Pacers standpoint, they get a perimeter player that they... They certainly have not had since Paul George. I mean, they do have TJ Warren there, but he's coming back from a significant injury. Who knows 
uh, what type of version that they, they are getting there. Um, uh, Malcolm Brogdon has been steady for them, and Chris Levert has been good for them also, but they still need a, a little bit more. Um, I feel that Miles Turner has been utilized in terms of his skill set. Now he's been inconsistent. Um, OG was inconsistent. He's being a little bit more consistent um, in terms of his level of play. To me, the deal makes sense from a hypothetical standpoint. I'm not saying that I would necessarily do that, but it, I, it is something that I would entertain rather than trading Pascal. Big for big doesn't make sense for for either team. Uh, I definitely feel that OG in this context would make a lot more sense. But I, I, I do find it interesting that he is a part of trade rumors because at least to some Raptor fans, and it definitely gives the appearance that he is one of our most coveted assets on the team. But I feel like that's changing now, hence why he's probably in, in these trade discussions now. To me, it's it's Freddie, Pascal, and you can make arguments for the rest. Scotty Barnes, I, do, I, I feel, is is the third mention after those two because he's young. He has a ton of potential. He has a very high ceiling. We've seen flashes of it. He just needs to get healthy to get back to that level of play. But I'm curious to know that with Barnes once being regarded as a bit of a quote-unquote project and the way that he has surprised me in terms of his development before our eyes and in the season – that there's a little bit more comfort surrounding the idea of possibly letting OG go. Especially with how well Barnes plays off of Siakam and his willingness to be uh, a facilitator as well as looking for his own shots. Now, if if we are looking at Barnes and OG from an offensive standpoint... OG is is a is a better shooter than Scotty Barnes is right now, but I also do feel that Scotty Barnes, in comparison to OG as a rookie, is way ahead in terms of his development. So I don't imagine that um, that being a problem for for Scotty going forward. And more importantly, he has the confidence within himself. He you see it with uh, when he's playing. He's having a good time. He just has an overall good attitude about it. So, and, and he and he's willing to learn. So, all those things are very admirable. And I'm not taking anything away uh, from OG, saying um, saying that he's not those things. I'm just saying that with the emergence of Scotty Barnes and the way he kind of fits into the offense and and trading trading for somebody that's going to give us uh, a shot blocker in the middle while the Pacers having a necessity for a perimeter player definitely makes sense. Also, Boucher has been the 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 hot topic of trade talks as maybe maybe as much as Siakam. Um and you can understand why now that he's he's found a role off the bench and Nick Nurse has put him in a position to thrive and he's capitalized on on that 
And I, I wish that Nurse can do the same for the other role players uh, on our team, not just putting them in certain positions where the starters aren't giving you anything and you're down by double digits and, and you're, you have a very short leash with the guys on the bench. And if they're not giving you instant offense or clamping down on defense that you pull them off, I'm hoping that the way that he's, the way that he's reintroduced Boucher to the, to the rotation, I'm hoping he's doing the same and he's doing a good job with Champagne right now. Um, we just hope that it gets to a point of consistency, consistency. But with all that being said, I don't think I want to trade Boucher right now. I don't, depending on what we're getting, if, if we are able to trade him and, and get some scoring off the bench, I'm all for it. But there's not too many options that I would say we can give up Chris Boucher for. Um, I haven't looked into it. Um, but I'm sure you can find a, a deal where it satisfies both sides and you can let Boucher go. But I, I feel with the way that he's playing right now, he's earned his keep and he he did struggle earlier on. He's now uh, almost a spark plug off the bench. Um, we can definitely benefit from having Boucher at this present moment. Uh, lastly, another name that's been linked to the Raptors is Chris Levert. Now, Chris Levert also on on Indiana. Uh, it just seems that there, something is is bound to happen. We we are linked to two trades, two different players with with the same team. So maybe they're the perfect trading partner for us. But Levert being linked to the Raptors is definitely something I would sign up for. Um, when healthy, he's he's one of the great scorers in the league. Uh, still young. Uh, even though he's been uh, injury prone, uh, he's coming back from a significant injury. But this season so far, he's averaging almost 18 points per game, uh, four assists, uh, shooting almost 44% from the field and just over 31% from three. He would be an excellent option for us off the bench. Um, I don't see him going into the starting rotation. I definitely hope that's not the case. I think Gary Trent has earned his position and is deserving of it, um, especially with the way that he has strived defensively for us. Chris Levert is not that type of player, um, but he he can be the second version of Gary Trent coming off the bench. Uh, just the idea of having those two guys um, replacing each other and possibly being on the floor at the same time, I imagine it could be a nightmare for, for teams because when both of them are are on, they are on. So just for uh, the sake of, of, of doing a hypothetical trade, and I did one just for the uh, salary's sake. Now, keep in mind, this is only matching up salaries. Cannot do... Uh, draft picks. I imagine that there, there would be a little bit more in the trade for it, but I have the Raptors receiving Chris Levert. We're trading the expiring contract of uh, Goran Dragic, Malachi Flynn going, and quite possibly a future draft pick I would imagine would, would be necessary to, to sweeten the deal, which I would be okay with. Um, getting a player like Chris Levert, who's still relatively young, for a draft pick, I would be totally okay with. Um, 
the 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 Pacers would get uh, expire expiring contract of Goran Dragic, which gives them cap space, a young prospect and and point guard and Malachi Flynn, whom hopefully would be able to take advantage of the opportunity, um, and, in terms of backing up Malcolm Brogdon, and there's not too many point guards. Uh, for the pace uh, on the Pacers, so he will definitely have an opportunity to shine there. Um, but yeah, I would love to see this trade happen, and if and if there is a possibility to get Chris Levert at minimum, Miles Turner would be a nice luxury to have. Um, but I'm more concerned about adding some scoring punch to our bench. Chris Levert would address and solve a lot of those issues. And with a lesser role, not having to to share in starter minutes can probably do wonders with um, for his health and with load management, similar to what uh, Alex McKechnie did with Kawhi during our championship run. Now, moving on from the Raptors, very quickly, we're going to talk about what's going on in the league. We saw a very significant injury happen on January 15th, Saturday night. Durant went down against the Pelicans, uh, sprained MCL on his left knee, and he's out four to six weeks. Uh, the Nets are optimistic that within that time frame, he'll be able to rehab and get back to the Nets sooner than later. And it couldn't come at a worse time, especially around this, the the small controversy around Kyrie and his availability to limiting to only road games and the possibility that he could play home games if the Nets are willing to pay a fine. But I can't help to think that this unnecessarily puts pressure on James Harden, who's been playing great basketball as of late in comparison to the early parts of the season. It seems like he's finally getting healthy and Getting back to the James Harden that, you know, has won MVPs. Not quite to that level, but getting close to that point. Uh, he still doesn't have the explosiveness, and I imagine that has to do with uh, the hamstring injury that he suffered last year. It's going to be a tough goal for the Nets. Now, mind you, they still got Patty Mills, and some of their young guys have been taking advantage of the opportunity but like i said in the first episode uh, the nets are not in the development stage they're in a win now stage um it is difficult to do so with kyrie irving being in and out of the lineup but um the option is there to bring him in uh it's just as, as a matter of what capacity but you know james harden has had to shoulder the load and and some of his previous stints is most notably with the rockets and um, makes you wonder if he can do it again, at least until Durant gets back. It's a it's a tall task to ask. Um, I I imagine that Harden is ready, but whether he's ready physically seems to be the the big question mark for me. I I'm I'm not too sure if his if his body's up for the challenge. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see um, what happens to the Nets in the next coming weeks, most notably four to six weeks with Durant out. And lastly, also happening on Saturday night, the Lakers got embarrassed by the Denver Nuggets, 133-96. to 
being led by Jokic with a triple-double, 17 points, 12 rebounds, 13 assists. But most notably by a bench player, or more notably, I should say, by a bench player. I hope I'm saying his his name right. It's spelled as Bones. I'm not too sure if it's pronounced any other way. But Bones Highland, 27 points, 10 rebounds off the bench. Jermichael Green, 26 points um, from the starting lineup. The, The Nuggets had seven players and double digits. You get that kind of production, uh, you will win basketball games. You don't have to be a basketball coach or even an older sport to understand that if you got seven players giving you double digits, you have a very high chance of winning basketball basketball games. And especially, it's coming at the right time. The, the Nuggets are playing in rhythm right now. Um, Jamal Murray is getting closer and closer to returning. Um, the role players are stepping up. Aaron Gordon has been playing well as of late, and you know Will Barton is is doing his thing, and some of, and some of the other lesser known guys are getting the opportunities and finally taking advantage for them. I know the Nuggets had big championship aspirations, and it was kind of derailed due to health. But if they can get kind of this kind of, this kind of production led by Joker, um, I imagine that they can make some noise in the West. Um, in the Lakers case, uh, LeBron is continues to do his thing. He had 25 points, nine rebounds that game. Russ shipped in with 19 Howard with 13. They played 11 players, the Lakers and only three players got in double digits. Uh, that's not going to get it done. Uh, Malik Monk struggled from the field and he's been a pleasant surprise as of late. Um, they're getting some pieces back, but they're still not a hundred percent. Most notably, AD is still out. Um, Mello is dealing with back tightness, and the Lakers have their work cut out for them. Now, Dwight Howard was quoted last year saying that, and I quote, "We good man. It's early." We're going to be ready by the time the playoffs start. That's when we start dominating, end quote. Now, my problem with that statement, now, I, I love the confidence, and I'm sure having LeBron has a lot to do with it, but you have to take care of business in the regular se- season. There's no question about it. Now, granted that that this is a new team, um, they traded for Westbrook in the offseason, losing some key guys. Um, and they failed to pull the trigger on some, some in-season trade, most notably, um, for Kyle Lowry, but I'm certainly glad that they, they did not pull the trigger on that or they, they held off because I definitely don't want anything that the Lakers have right now. I, I, they don't have anything, uh, attractive in terms of assets, uh, arguably, Malik Monk is probably their most attractive asset at this present moment that they'll be willing to part with. But I imagine that they won't because of how uh, important he's been for them in terms of putting some wins together. But um, LeBron being at 37 years old, if he is physically able, and I mean, he's definitely showing not taking anything away from him. He's definitely showing that he can handle it. But is, is this sustainable? And, you know, 
I see a lot of Lakers fans online, you know, and, and people in general uh, pointing the finger at Russ. In my opinion, it's not entirely Russ's fault. I mean, he has. Listen, you knew what you were getting when you were trading for Russ. He only has one gear, and that's go. And if there is not a team that can fit that style, um, it'll it'll be hard for him to find that kind of success. He's not very strong on the perimeter in terms of his shooting. He has to be in the paint, and he makes a lot of transition buckets. He he does create uh, opportunities because he attracts um, so much attention. But you know he, he's turnover prone. And again, like you, you trade some significant assets, assets uh, in terms of Kyle Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell, and they're finding finding success, uh, playing for the Wizards. Um, you kind of made your bed and sleep in it. You you got a lot of pace, uh, a lot of pieces. You got got a lot of veteran leadership. They should be able to put it together. It's just a matter of when they are twenty one and twenty two at at the seventh seed um i don't know i don't see them getting into the top four uh maybe five spot but i would not be surprised if the lakers are in a play-in they they've shown outside of lebron they've shown nothing um well they haven't shown much that they can be reliable and and i truly feel that health is going to play a huge part in terms of the Lakers success and I said it from previous podcasts that I was on on running in the screen if AD's not healthy the the Lakers are going to have a hard time and he's nursing an injury you can only hope that he comes back but his durability has always been in question so oh well good luck to the Lakers <laughs> uh, I, I mean listen I, I care about my Raptors um, it was just worthy i think it's worthy noting that a a team that had very big championship um, aspirations are having a hard time uh, staying in in the top eight so hopefully they're able to turn it on like the way dwight howard uh, said so so confidently last year but it's gonna be an uphill battle for them and that brings us to the end of the show. Now, in terms of the next episode, it's definitely going to be at the end of the road trip, which it would be uh, the last game is Friday against the Wizards. Uh, so I'm definitely eyeing Saturday as the day I will drop another episode, possibly Sunday. Um, and I'm going to try and stay along those timelines, either a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday type thing. I'm not 100% yet, but um, I'm definitely going to try and keep this as consistent as possible. So again, thank you for joining me once again. Uh, I look forward to seeing what these next few games are going to be like for the Raptors. And uh, again, it starts off against Miami on Monday, or resumes, I should say. We are one-on-one, resumes again against Miami without Kyle Lowry on january the 17th and hopefully we can match that same kind of energy that we did against the bucks against the heat this is going to be hard fought game 
So till then, everyone, stay safe. And until the next episode, peace.